The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by Unity.org. Elevate your life with the Rise Into Your Power Habit Tracker. Track up to 10 habits for 30 days and experience transformative results. To learn more, visit go.unity.org forward slash rise. In this episode, we start a series on the top 10 things we've learned in our 22-year lesbian relationship. We're not psychotherapists, but we are lesbians with 22 years and counting in the books. Welcome to the podcast where it's all about living your love story and making your life a story where love wins. My name is Sienna. And my name is Toast. We're married and we've been partners in life, love, and music since 2001, over 20 years. On this show, we share our life as an Asian-American lesbian couple. Some of our favorite topics are positive spirituality, holistic health, sometimes cats, lesbian alert, and other things we hope are entertaining, uplifting, and helpful for living your love story. So here we go. Welcome to our home studio in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome. Welcome. Oh. Hey. What? Hey. Why are you choosing I, my words? Well, this that's actually a very appropriate intro to this episode because, right. you know, it's all about our top 10 things that we've learned in our 22-year lesbian 22 relationship. 22 years. So we could have... <laughs> that's Bear, our I don't cat. know if you can hear Bear doing Zooms, but yeah, 22 years. We could have had a child... And they could be graduating soon well, from college. as lesbians, we could not have had a child. Well, we could without have had a child. outside yes. help. Yes. So anyways, but we did not have any human children. We've had fur children. But anyways, yes. So our anniversary is coming up. By the time you all hear this, it's we probably had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will have been together for 22 years. 22 years, my God. That is, doesn't that feel long? I think it, it is, is long. It, it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Of, cor- of course, it depends how old one is right. when one hears that. Right. But yeah, I think it's I know. The whole age thing. Long. It's just, that's a whole other podcast. But if you are listening to the podcast for the first time, because this topic interests you, first of all, thank you for listening. As far as my, as our history goes, Toast and I first met... 22 years ago, and we met doing music. And that's kind of it. (laughs) I mean, if you want to hear the full story, because it was very uh, roller coaster like, wouldn't you say? The whole thing ish. It was, was again, that's relative too, but it was, yeah, it, it really was a ride. So we can link. A previous episode where we've discussed that. Sure, I think yeah, I can find that. We have like maybe two put that where in we've the talked blog. about it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, but that's how we met. And ever since we met, we just basically stayed very connected. And a few months later, Toast moved up to where I was living at the time. And we've been together ever since. So now you know. <laughs> so... Why don't you tell the people what's going to happen with this list? Okay. And what we, what we did. So the plan is that in the next few episodes, we're going to cover the top 10 things that we have learned in our 22-year, so far, 22-year lesbian relationship. 
So this episode, we've got numbers 10 through 7. So 10, 9, 8, and 7. And mm. we have a bonus. Oh, we do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, the, you're the one who had the idea of what the bonus was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess we better write this down. Maybe we should plan a little on when we do these podcast things. Okay. We've planned. Yeah. We've planned. All right. Enough. So are we ready? Let's do it. Okay. Number 10. Choose your battles. Okay. So this one is not so... Oh my gosh. That's such a new piece of advice for us all. I'm so glad I listened to this <laughs> podcast episode. But, and, and we've heard it too. We've heard, it, heard people say it all the time. But the difference is actually heeding it, like actually doing it, <laughs> listening Accepting to this it. piece of advice and using it to your advantage and to your, for your relationship. So this is true. This is real because, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, we have a lot of tolerance for things. Right? Yes, we overlook a lot of things. We're we blind because we're in a feelings. We're in a certain state of the relationship. It's a different part of love, if it's even love at that point. But even as you get to love, you start to get you, annoyed. You, there will be a point where things from before that never bothered you are going to start to bother you. But you have to choose your battles. Let's give them an example. Okay, so one example is, so toast. <laughs> oh, should I set it up because I know, should I confess well, this? I want to make sure you talk about the timing. Oh, okay, okay. Because that, I thought that was really important okay. and urgent versus important. Okay. I thought that was good point. Well, thank you. Um, so, so toast. One of the things that just drives me nuts is that she, she leaves trails of things wherever she is. So it is, and the main place is the dining room table. Now, we don't have a giant dining room table, so it's not like she has a ton of stuff. But because it's not a giant dining room table, her stuff takes up the whole table. And stuff meaning books, it's paper, books, pencils. It's like a random plant that she might be nursing back to health. It's seeds from something that she's thinking of researching. It's lots of, of pamphlets and notes and a clipboard with <laughs> sketches. It's just so much stuff. And, and... This has been this has been an issue. So we even have a shelf unit right near the dining room table where I dedicated two spots on the shelf for her and I said, "Okay, why don't you know when you're done with your work, just just put it here on the shelf." And those shelves are now completely full, but the the issue still exists. So Am I going to, like, how many times am I going to bring this up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how many times am I going to bring it? Mm -hmm. So after a while, you just need to learn, okay, come on. Is this really that important? Is, is it really that important? And you yes, to, it is. You have to. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you have to have something but, to compare it to. Right, right. So, you know, it's not as important to me as, say, making sure we have date nights on the calendar, making sure we have something to look forward to that we're doing together in our relationship. So given our capacity is limited, you got to really choose what you're going to use or use your capacity for, and you have to make sure that it's worth it. <laughs> now I'm realizing, oh yeah, those two shelves. I I need to um I could really stand to go through your shelves. Thin thin the books in there. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's a whole bunch of books that and and I don't think I'm going to like use all of them anyway. Yeah. So, okay. But yes, choose your battles and I think incorporated with this is choose your times that you're going to bring up certain things. Um, you know, one, one could imagine that, hey, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you've both committed and acknowledged that you are mutually, you know, both of you, the most important people in your lives, this, this is the person. If there's something important or something that matters to you, well, shoot, you should be able to bring it up at any time. Because isn't that part of the benefit of being in such an, a loving, <laughs> unconditionally loving relationship? Right? Shouldn't you have that freedom? Because they love you. And you love them. So you should be able to bring up anything at any time. No. No wrong answer. <laughs> I mean, essentially, yes, you can do that. But we advise against it. (laughs) However, read the room, right? Read the room you're in. Yeah. Did your partner have a long day? Right. Is that the time to bring up the table mess or or whatever else it might be? Right. right. The date night, making sure date night's in the calendar. Is that the right time? Mm -hmm. Versus, say, Sunday, late morning, the day there's ease to the day, there isn't something like urgently pressing. You just had blueberry pancakes together. It's like and you might want to give a them a little heads time. up and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna go, you know, wash up." There's something I wanted to to talk about. Um, just you know, can you reserve some mental, emotional space for that? Yes, just a little heads up. Yes, that's it. So that's choose your battles. Choose your battles and this idea of choosing the battles and of choosing your times, that is, to me, I think that is what loving unconditionally looks like, Mm -hmm. is you give that much consideration to the other person Mm -hmm. instead of feeling free to just, you know, demand the attention because, hey, there's unconditional love. No, (laughs) it's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So true. That was number 10. Choose your battles. Number nine, accept responsibility for your feelings. Okay. This is kind of a big one. There are nuances. Yes. You know, and you right. will, you just have to practice it. Like just try, work with your partner on this and see what's going to work for both of you. Um, it's not a hard and fast, like, you know. You just have to accept how you feel and that's it. And you're on your own. You're on your own, on your, in your own little boat out in the ocean by yourself. No, it's not like that. So there are nuances. Mm-hmm. But 
how someone makes you feel, it's not their responsibility, it's actually yours. So how you feel is, is you. It's a, it's a you thing. And we're not talking about relationships where there is abuse happening. Let's just say that. It's a whole different situation and we don't, we aren't experts in, um, nor do we have direct experience with emotionally and physically abusive, intimate relationships. So again, how you feel, taking responsibility for how you feel is very important and it's also very difficult. (laughs) Yes. I think it is tricky because even though the words that we use in English to Mm -hmm. describe it, it's like, yeah, um, what was it? How, How someone makes you feel. Right. What we're saying is that people don't make you feel. Right. They have influence on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they have influence. Yes. And that's that's the balance that's where and it gets nuance tricky. And, and all of that. Yes. Um, so it's hard though. <laughs> you know, it's hard. And I know I'm still I'm still working on it. I feel like I am getting better at it in knowing that. You know, some you might say something, mm-hmm. and then my internal process in that moment is then going um, feels triggered in some way, mm. and then I try to take that opportunity to be in the space of going, okay, wait, hold on, just just giving myself a moment, hold on before I react, because once I react and get all hurt and like you made me feel you hurt me you are saying something that is so whatever whatever it might be mm-hmm. trying to catch it so that i can still be in an empowered place to choose how i want to feel about the situation mm-hmm. so one thing you know something that i have felt in my in our conversations um is not feeling heard by toast. Mm -hmm. And so when I don't feel heard, I feel like she doesn't care. Mm -hmm. I feel like you don't care. You're right here. So I shouldn't, why am I saying she? (laughs) (laughs) So then I'll feel like you don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so hurt. And it could be something that toast just wasn't even, you weren't doing something on purpose. You know, the fact that... Like I was you didn't, I was next to the printer and it was printing and it was making a lot of noise, but you didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. That was a recent example. Right? Yes. Yeah. And I was going, Toast, something, something. And I was asking her something and I heard the printer and she was right by the printer. And, and so, so I, I start... And I heard the printer going. So yeah. I'm like, okay, she probably can't hear me. So I started saying it louder and then... Instead of standing my ass up and walking over a few feet, right? <laughs> but anyways, then when when you came back in the room, I'm like, didn't you hear me? And you're like, no, the printer was right by my ear. And I'm like, there's no, there's no way that I was saying it so loud. The printer isn't that loud. And I just felt convinced that she was just tuning me out. Mm. And I felt like you just... I was being an asshole. I felt like you were being an asshole to me. Um, And so 
And you I'm can sorry. See, you yes, can see how I'm things like that, that get like, and this is where That's it gets so tricky. Stupid. Well, well, this is where it gets tricky because because in that instance, my instinct is to go. I'm so sorry you felt like that. Oh right? yeah, that's I'm so a whole sorry other... you felt that way. Yeah, and then that can be triggering because it's like, look, look, toast. It's not that I felt that way. It's that you made me feel that way. Do you think? Well. Depends not, what state not we're really, in. Not really, no? okay. not really that. But it's more that instead of just saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way mm-hmm. is not a true apology. And anyone who wants to disagree, come at me. Because that's not, that's kind of... Um, Do you feel like that's it's blaming passive. the person? That's it's blaming just, the person it's for passive. feeling? It's not taking full, like... Um, I'm sorry, I'm the one... That, no, that you caused can just, the problem. It can just be, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because I think people take, people have a different view on what, a, what an apology is. Apology yes, doesn't I need think, to be that you're accepting fault. Like when someone passes away, you exactly. say, I'm so sorry. That's part of the you problem. You don't say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel so heartbroken that someone passed away. Or I'm sorry well, that they, you know. That I think part of the problem, again, English. We have a problem, English. Because <laughs> there should be more words for sorry. Because and there, like are, love. Different, yes. there yes. are different kinds of being right. sorry. So just saying, you know, I'm so sorry. And... I, think I feel most, bad. I feel bad that you feel that way. Whoop, nope, don't add on that last part. <laughs> Just being able to keep it short, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. You know, because I think, in, I think for most relationships, if mm-hmm. a person is dysregulated, whoever, at, you know, we all take turns. Let's define that. What is dysregulated really Just quick. being just, able to regulate, dysregulated means your nervous system is you're on edge. reactive. You're not yeah. settled. You feel like a lion is chasing you. You're operating from your lower brain, your amygdala. So in that, in, in those situations, it is impossible for you to think clearly. Impossible. So that's where I think a lot of times arguments go on and on. Mm-hmm. Both people are operating from their amygdalas and it's not going anywhere. Or one person is and the other person is trying to stay regulated, but it still can't go anywhere because whatever they're saying that is very clear <laughs> is not being received by the person operating from their lower brain. Okay. So anyways, I don't remember my thought. <laughs> <laughs> and anyways, but we're talking about oh, number sorry, nine. Wait. Accept responsibility wait, but for your sorry's. feelings. So just being, like if, if your partner isn't feeling well, regardless of if you had influence in how they feel or not, or it was just a bad work day, I think you can genuinely be sorry that yes. that person had a bad day Absolutely. or that person is feeling, you know, whatever they're feeling. Yes. But just being able to say, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. you had a hard day. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I want to be here. I'm so sorry you feel that way is not an apology. And again, we have to take this up me, with peeps. the Real Housewives. <laughs> okay, why don't we move on to number eight? Before we do, just really quick. So, number nine again was accept responsibility for your feelings. And here we go with number eight. <laughs> 
Number eight, not every issue needs to turn into a psychotherapy session, which might sound kind of weird coming from us who we, we like to learn things and we like to mm -hmm. figure things out and explore personal development and all that. We love those kinds of issues and I do. books I and podcasts and courses yeah. and all of that stuff. I love it because trying to figure out what someone was thinking or what, what's their history and really helps to bring me to a place of uh, understanding yes, and, and patience and, and appreciation for that person. Yes. And that's valuable. And actually in subsequent top 10 things, mm -hmm. it's going to kind of contradict what we're saying now because we are going to talk about how valuable it has been to well, learn mm -hmm. about you know, the deeper reasons for our actions and how we engage with relationships. But see, everything we're but, saying though, but it's not really a contradiction because everything we're saying, it's just about the balance and honoring this complex matrix of a relationship. I love that. The complex you know? matrix. You're right. Yes. Okay. So I think this particular issue, this not every issue needs to be a psychotherapy session. I think this relates to respect for the mystery in life and having some degree of acceptance and equanimity in mm. the face of unknowns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because as much as it is human nature to have that desire for exploration and discovery and learning things, right? And settling on, okay, this is why. Aha. Right. Now I have a complete map and I have right. the top 10 things that you should do for your relationship <laughs> as if it can be nailed down into a formula. That's really not how life is. And I guess that's why I really like that Indigo Girls song, Least Complicated. Mm. Isn't that what the name of the song is? Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, everything yeah. can fit into a formula. And that's what they teach you in school. It's like, oh, you right. just fit the right formula in and then you'll figure it out. No, that's actually not how life really is. And the more we try to force it into that, the less enjoyment we get, I think. Yeah. There, there is a balance there. Yes, mm -hmm. you know, do your due diligence. Don't walk around uh, without having learned anything, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but you're never, we're never going to figure it all out. That's right. just not how life is. And you miss out on the beauty of, of the relationship of the other person, of yourself. Mm -hmm. If, if you try to figure it out, right there, there is such a sense of love and depth and there's a there's a, a deep pleasure from sitting mm -hmm. in the mystery. Yeah. I think I just heard Sarah McLaughlin building a mystery. <laughs> and we are dating ourselves <laughs> with the 90s music references. But I do but and and I do think that that quest to understand someone more fully. Mm -hmm. So therefore those psychoanalysis analytic moments, mm -hmm. I think they really come from or can come from a place of wanting to understand because if I understand, 
then I will be able to manage the pain of whatever that thing is that happened. Mm -hmm. You know, or if I understand, then maybe there's less chances of it happening again. Mm -hmm. Which I think both of those are things are actually true. There is a there is a hope around the intention for wanting Mm -hmm. to psychoanalyze. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not about just never doing it, but not every single thing, not every single seeming argument or moments of moment of discord needs to be to that level. Yeah. And in fact, I really feel like there is a kind of comfort in the love that you can feel and realize uh, just by sitting in, again, sitting in that mystery and being loved and loving without even having to have that understanding. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. That was number eight. Not every issue needs to turn into a psychotherapy session. Number seven. Number seven is learn how to fight. Learn how to fight well. Yes. Be a good fighter. Boy, we've learned, we've taken a while to learn this. (laughs) There were times back in the day where we would be having conversations or arguments, less, less about, less conversation like in our kitchen, in our tiny little one bedroom, one bath cottage, just, I call them the it was three, horrible. I call them the 3 a.m. hands on hips. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those were just I'm glad horrible. You can, I'm so glad you can laugh Those were at horrible. it. No. Oh, my goodness. It's just yeah. ridiculous. So we, we clearly did not know how to argue then. And my, the relationship that I had previously, we didn't, we really didn't fight. And that's not any better, actually. <laughs> you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, we never fight. It's, I wouldn't say that that's so healthy. It's not an automatic five-star so, relationship. No, it's not. Okay. And so... It depends on a lot of things, I guess. I spent a lot of years... I spent nine years not fighting and not having... Not even practicing. Okay, well, how do you really fight? Until Aww. it came to our relationship. I can make those sounds. Can I you make can those do sounds that because you're Asian. Do I think I have you a can card to do that. I think you can. They might come after me. Somebody but might come after anyways. me. Oh well. Okay. So what we mean by learn how to fight is uh, to live as though arguments are not for winning. Mm-mm. Arguments are for learning. Right. Arguments are for understanding. Uh, and that you know, as we got into this one. And we're talking about how learning how to fight. I realized how much listening is a skill, just how relaxation is a skill. And our culture doesn't act like it is. Because mm-hmm. we have all these seminars and classes on how to speak. Yeah. But we don't have any classes really on how to listen. And I guess that's why we're all like trying to work on it. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to learn how to convey 
empathy, listening, care, being a safe place Mm -hmm. to express because that's how I feel inside. And I think that's where my urge to want to fix things and offer solutions, right? It's like, I want to, I care so much that I'm trying to help you feel better. Yeah. And that also comes from your, your masculinity. The masculine wants to fix. I, yeah, I think so. But even that, right, it comes from that place of caring, like, cause you, it hurts to see your person in pain. So yeah, you want to fix. But not realizing that if you listen really well, that goes that a long way fixing. to fixing it. That is fixing. Yeah. Because the problem... Okay, I'm going on that tangent. So What tangent? What? Well, because there a lot go. of times for a person who leans more emotional, mm-hmm. the problem is not actually what they're sharing. The problem is needing to feel, not feeling seen or validated. Mm. So it's like, see me and validate where I'm coming from. It's not the actual thing itself. So it's not and about I think the, coming to a compromise, like in the context of an argument, it's not about like, well, well, coming to a compromise, that's a traditional uh, conception of an argument. Like one person's for A and one person's for B. I mean, sometimes it is that. But But I'm talking, the situation I'm talking about is um, what you were saying with the wanting to fix things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when I'm coming to you, it's really to have my feelings validated. Mm -hmm. Like, well, yeah, gosh, I can see how you would feel so hurt by that. You know, whether it's a work situation or whether, you know, whatever it is. Mm Versus, okay, well, maybe, maybe that person was, and then you're, you're really trying to help me understand why something happened or trying to problem solve (laughs) the words I'm saying versus just mirroring back and, and just validating, like, I would feel that I would feel that way too. Or Mm. that, that sounds very hurtful. You know, it's less about that. But anyways, what is an, what is this one? <laughs> what is it? Oh, fighting, fighting. Okay, yeah. Learning so, how to fight. Yes. That it's for and winning. I think... And not for winning. That it's for... <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. it's for learning. It's for learning. And this is what I want to say. So a lot of times in fighting, that whole stance of wanting to win mm-hmm. and wanting to be right. And get your way. People will, people will identify with like wanting to be right. Yes. And everywhere on the internet, you'll see, but it's not your fault, but it's true. It's true. It's not your fault. (laughs) You know how everywhere on the internet, any problem you have, it's not your fault. You know, you see that everywhere now. Okay. I have seen that. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And there are, there's truth to, to a lot of that. But anyways. It's everybody's fault. Here, (laughs) it really is not your fault because the way our brains work our old reptilian brain, if you sense that danger, if you can find a way to validate that you are right, that creates a sense of safety. You're right. You're safe. Hmm. And so that is just natural with this human brain. So don't feel bad if you want to be right. Don't feel bad if you're looking to win. But we have to move beyond that. And maybe it's a matter of reframing what winning means. 
Because yes, a, absolutely. A, a version of winning does not necessarily mean, aha, my original premise was right all along. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that. It can mean win Yay. for the team. Yay. Yeah, we we had a genuine good faith exchange yes. of ideas and Absolutely. perspectives and we're addressing yeah. the issue together yes. in a way that's more elegant, graceful, mm-hmm. and smooth. That's a better win. Yes, but I think that's we start really winning if you want to win. Yes, yes. And that might be a way to satisfy that reptilian brain. Yes. Is to frame it that way. Yeah. Yes. Learn how to fight. That's number seven. Quick recap. Ten, choose your battles. Nine, accept responsibility for your feelings. Number eight, not every issue needs to turn into a psychotherapy session. And number seven, learn how to fight. Hmm. All right. So in the next episode, we will be covering the next four. We're breaking it up in a weird way. We're breaking it up because we're just weird like that. <laughs> we're queer, you know. We will be we will be talking about the next four and then the episode after that, we will be discussing the top 2 tips that we had, the two lessons plus a bonus. Okay, I'm trying to do the math in my head. Sorry. It goes four, four, three. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a little weird because even though it's top 10, we have a bonus in there. We're adding a bonus. That's why the math is weird, right? Yeah. Okay. So so should I have stopped recording? (laughs) Okay. Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up. Okay. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you being here with the earbuds (laughs) on. Be safe. (laughs) We'll see you on social media, (laughs) mostly on Instagram, when we are Sienna and Toast. That's the handle. That's it. Sienna with one N. Okay. Bye. Live your love story. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.